Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Mercy Poured Forth. My name is Shel Wagner. I'm so glad you came to join me today. Well, there is just a lot in my brain this morning. <laughs> and it's another one of those days where, you know, I, I think I know what I want to talk about, but we'll see where y'all takes this. You know, I've been looking at some things and considering some things in the Psalms as I'm as I'm reading through, you know, the books of First uh, and Second Samuel and thinking about David's life and thinking about the seed and 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 authority and and what's going on in the time period that we live in and how we've been born, you know, for this time to deal with certain things. And so I'm going to try to share a little bit of what's in my brain about, uh, you know, what all I'm learning from some certain things. One of the things that I've been really, really pondering is this whole, this whole uh, thing of epigenetics and, and um, choices, right? So as I'm looking at the study of epigenetics, and what's going on with with our genome and and everything when you the whole concept of the genome right and and noah being righteous in his generations it's his genes were still uncorrupted right and then there's a thing called epigenetics now the epi is what's put on top of your genetic code, right? So it, it involves the fact that a free will, I believe that's where free will comes in. And let me just see if I can start here and hopefully this will make some sense. I'm going to go ahead and add this to the screen. I want to read this to you. Let me see if I can just make it a little nicer here. I haven't had the time to make things real pretty because there's just, like I said, just so many things in my brain that I am just um, moving fast. <laughs> All right. So I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm just, I've got it on here and let's read through it. So let's start in Genesis 4. Um, verse 1. And Adam knew Hua, his woman, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've gotten a man from Yahweh, and she again bore his brother Ha'avel, and Ha'avel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto Yahweh, and Ha'avel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And Yahuwah had respect unto Ha'avel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And Yahweh said unto Cain, why are you wroth and why is your countenance falling? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door and unto you shall be his desire and you shall rule over him. Okay, so what's going on there with this story of of Cain and, and Abel. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. I just want to say hello to everyone 
uh, you know, Lee and James and Asia and Nina and John, welcome um, to everyone. I know Dan is here and, and uh, Lisa and maybe Alan. <laughs> so good to see all of you. Wonderful to see you guys today. Um, so anyway, we've got these two brothers, right? And it looks like there's a choice to be made. And so we know that a everything comes from a seed, right? And so Adam and Hua, you know, have the, the children and they have already made a bad choice, okay, by taking of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which introduces the choice to me in, in all of their generations. When you think about generational curses, to me, that's where that epigenetics comes in because it's not just the code that you were born with, with your genes, but then it's also the generational curses that come on top of the code. And then each person has this choice to make and to decide whether, you know, who's going to be in dominion is the way that I'm looking at it, right? Um, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door, right? So he's saying, he's talking about this choice. And unto you shall be his desire, right? There's there's something that's wanting a desire to over overtake, but we are supposed to rule over that. So what is it that we're re ruling over? So I just wanted to kind of share this and give a a a um another view of this. Say so now Dan's sharing something here, and I did a show on this right? Um, with the third strand of DNA underneath reports underneath the desk. So I do have this, what he's talking about, the third strand of DNA, it adds the 72 genes to the 144,000 that we have from Yah. How in these days do we get the third strand? Okay. So very, very interesting, right? Um, So anyway, I, I want to give a different viewpoint on this, just a, a different look at that. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Dan, and I did do, you know, a, a shot on that and all that's really pertinent. Everything you're saying is absolutely pertinent. This is just a different view because we're trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. So anyway, I wanted to share something with you on this. This is called Birthright by Timothy Alberino, and this is just kind of in his introduction. It says, if we are to understand our place in the universe, then we must surrender our need to be the center of it. Man was not conceived with the universe and the universe was not created for man. We were born into the cosmos, not with it. Thrust into the fray of a complex political, societal, and uh, martial conflict involving incomprehensibly intelligent agencies of an exceedingly ancient origin. Christians by and large tend to adopt an anthropocentric, that means a human-centric perspective of the universe that places man like the axle of a wheel at the center of all things. 
I know that certainly that is certainly true. We we all just feel like things, you know, that everything kind of revolves around us. It was always taught that way to me. So that makes a lot of sense to me. In this view, man is both the principal protagonist of creation and its primary purpose. All other sentient creatures in created order are ancillary characters in the story of mankind. This presumptuous appraisal of the human race has engendered a condescending attitude in the minds of many Christians concerning their extraterrestrial elder siblings, the sons of God, even demoting them to our servants or worse, dismissing them altogether, right? So he's talking about how Christians view the angelic realm. For reasons unwarranted, the term extraterrestrial is anathema in the seminary classroom. However, a simple definition of the word should suffice to exercise its imagined demons. An extraterrestrial is a being whose provenance is not planet Earth. Notice that I did not say residence. Providence is where you come from. Residence is where you reside. It is entirely possible for beings of extraterrestrial provenance to be residing on Earth, as we shall see, a concept which necessitates the defining of another associated term, alien. Due to its inherent ambigu ambiguity, the ambiguity, I'm sorry, ambiguity, the word alien requires context. In the cosmological sense, an alien is a foreign being from an extraterrestrial world. However, generally speaking, any non-human being of advanced intelligence may be considered alien to the human species, regardless of its provenance. For example, if we should discover a race of non-human beings inhabiting the interior of our planet or a parallel dimension, we would be accurate in describing them as aliens, even though we are essentially cohabitating the same space. With our terms thus defined, we may venture the question, do extraterrestrials and or aliens exist within the biblical paradigm? The answer is unequivocally yes. This should come as no surprise to students of the scriptures. The biblical narrative unapologetically introduces us to a race of beings that are clearly alien in every sense of the word, indisputably extraterrestrial and incalculably ancient. Indeed, these attributes are intentionally exemplified in one of the epitaphs most often used to describe them, the morning stars. The extraterrestrial provenance of the morning stars is plainly communicated to Job by the maker himself. So this is in Job 38, 4 through 7, but I'm just quoting it out of his book. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstones when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. We may deduce two logical conclusions from these verses. First, that they are not referring to literal stars, but the sentient sons of God. And second, that these sons of God are older than the earth itself, since they were present to witness its primordial foundation. Okay, so that's where I kind of wanted to go with this. Now, there's a a word that I'm following here, this word, we see it, rulership, um, 
let me add this back to the screen. So what I was reading out of Genesis, this is Mas Mascal, okay? And we're going to get to that. We find it again in Micah, um, verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, now gather yourself in troops, O daughter of troops. He has laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Yasharel with a rod upon the cheek. But you, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Ephrathoth, Though you be little among the thousands of Yehuda, yet out of you shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Yasharel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. So who is this talking about? This is talking about Yahusha, right? He's going to come forth from Bethlehem, right? The, the smallest, the little among the thousands, right? The unassuming. So now I want to jump over to Colossians chapter two. Okay. Good morning, Asia. I'm glad you're finding it interesting too. Okay. All right. So in Colossians chapter two, for I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you for and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches and the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of Elohim and of the father and of Mashiach. Okay, so this is one of the 22 mysteries. When I taught my class at Sefer Academy on the Odeote, I went over all 22 mysteries in every, in all of the lessons that I did and kind of corresponded them to the best of my ability with the particular letters that they line up with. So I covered that in detail in that class in Sefer Academy. Alrighty. Which is still available to you if you have a desire to take that audio class. All right. So in reading this, so he's talking about the mystery of Elohim and of the father and of Mashiach. Okay. So very, very interesting here. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, Yet am I with you in the Ruach, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Mashiach. As you have therefore received Mashiach, Yahusha our Adonai, so walk ye in him. Okay, walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. <clears throat> As ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Mashiach. He's saying all these things are going to be coming at you. Knowledge shall increase. Reasoning, the, the mind of man. Okay. Um, for in him dwells all the fullness of Elohim bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So this really goes along with what Lee, Nurse Lee and I 
would are talking about in our series that we're finishing up today. And then we're, we've got a whole nother section of this planned to where we're going a lot further into these aspects and especially into the supernatural realm. Right. So this is just kind of, we're kind of just on the outskirts of it right now, but, but all of this is so important for foundational understanding. For in him dwells all the fullness of Elohim bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That's where we're complete, not in ourselves, but only in him. Okay. And that's all of us. It's the entire body of Mashiach. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Mashiach. He's saying there's a circumcision that is made in the believer that is not made by the hand of a human being. Okay, this is so interesting. Buried with him in baptism. So in our immersion, right? Wherein also ye are risen with him through faith in the operation of Elohim, who has raised him from the dead. And ye being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened together with him, having forgiven you of all transgressions, blotting out the handwriting of dogma that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross and having spoiled principalities and powers. This is exactly what we were reading about these ancient beings that were here before we were, right? He spoiled them. He spoiled these principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a feast day or the new moon or of the Shabbats, which are a shadow of things to come for the body of Mashiach. All right. So it doesn't matter at this point in our lives. Many of us are made fun of for following these, these ways. And we're told that we are um, under the law, <laughs> right? And, and because of the mind of men and men's religion and their dogma of how things should be done rather than following scripture. So here it is. We're in Colossians 2.18. Let no man beguile you of your reward and a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he's not seen vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind and not holding the head, you know, venerating uh, these beings rather than putting all of our worship towards Yahusha. We are to hold up the head, right? From which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of Elohim. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Mashiach from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you sub basically subjecting yourself to the dogma that's being, being preached through these vain religions? Don't touch this, taste not this, handle that, which are all to perish with the using, 
after the commandments and doctrine of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So this is exactly addressing what Yahushua was addressing with the, you know, uh, the religious leaders would come to him and say, why don't your Talmudim uh, participate in the ritual hand washing that's come down through the Talmud? You know that that's our oral law, right? And, and he's saying we're not going to go along with these rudiments of the world or this dogma. Okay. So what is it? This rudiments, it is uh, stokirion. Okay. Out of the Greek, any first thing from which the others belonging to, to some series or composite whole, take their rise an element a first principle, the elements from which all things have come, the material causes of the universe, Right. So he's saying that these, these rudiments, right? Wherefore, if you be dead with Mashiach from the rudiments of the world, these things are coming from the world, okay? They, they've a world system. It's really interesting. Um, then if we go to the dogma, it's the decree, a command to enjoy, to lay down an ordinance. And we you take that a little bit further. It's like doctrine, doctrine of man. Very interesting of the Roman Senate. I've been looking at some things that are extremely interesting that I hope to, to help follow some of the bloodlines of the Nephilim that lead to Rome. And so... Hopefully I can share some of that later. I'm just kind of given a broad overview. Like I said, I got a lot in my brain on this. So here's the part that was on my brain the most. And we're going to go into this. I've got an audio uh, discussion coming up right after this. And we're going to deep dive into some of the things that I'm seeing here in Psalm 8. But I want to put this in your Ruach and think about what it is that Yah's done and what made these ancient beings so angry and and so hateful you know and and so insulted of what yah would do for us as humans that are not created in with the same abilities that that these entities were created with okay so here's what yah has to say about you know, it, here's a Psalm of David that kind of portrays that. Psalm 8. O Yahuwah Adonai Adonai Nu. All right. And that I was looking that up. That's literally in the Hebrew. And um, and we'll go into that in the audio. We're going to go into that. How excellent is your name in all the earth who has set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength because of your enemies that you might still the enemy and the avenger, right? Out of the mouths of babes, right? So what's he saying? There was an, the elder race and then there's the, the babes, okay? Very, very interesting here, which would be considered us, the humans. So let me just start again because I want to read this in context. O Yahuwah Adonainu, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who set your glory above the heavens, 
Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength because of your enemies that you might still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of Adam that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than Elohim and have crowned him with glory and honor. You have you made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O Yehuda, Yahuwah, Adonai, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So just a quick look at this word dominion. It is mashkal, and we can see it here. We've got a mem, We've got a shen, we've got a lamed. It is a primitive root word, which means to rule, to have power. It's a verb, it's an action. So he's really, if, if I was going to read it this way, looking dominion as having authority to consume chaos, right? To absolutely just destroy chaos, because that's what that shin is, is, is the picture of the teeth. And what do we do when, when we eat something, you consume it. How do you do it? By destroying it, breaking it down. So when we look at the, at the audio picture here, we can see that to walk in dominion is to walk in the shepherd's authority which gives us that authority where it's not our authority, it's his authority to consume chaos, right? What was Babel all about and Nimrod's tower, the very name of the place is, is chaos, confusion. That's what it's all about, right? And, and so as a verb, we know this is dominion on display, right? I mean, that's what's so amazing. He's telling us we're going to walk this out as dominion on display, dominion put into action, authority and living action. I'm running out of time, but I just want to tell you, and then I'm going to switch over to the, to the audio class and continue this discussion. A year ago, I was given a dream. And I've been, um, oh, good morning. My husband is able to join this morning. Good morning, my sweetheart. Um, I was given a dream a year ago and it was, I was up inside of a tree and there were other friends of mine that were in trees. And I was watching these giant transformers that were just terrorizing people. And I was watching my friends display dominion and authority and deal with them. And, and they were just pointing their finger and the, the power of Yah was shooting through their very beings and stopping the terrorizing of what was happening to the people. And I knew it ha had to do with the end time harvest. And my friends in the dream were shouting out to me, you can do it too. You can do it too. Like get an idea of what your dominion is. And so I'll I'll talk about that a little bit more in, in the audio, but it's really important for 
you know, the time period there that we're in. So love you guys. I have to end this in order to start the next one on time. So I'm glad, Nina, that you're finding it fascinating. I love you guys. I see all your comments. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm going to end this. And then in a minute, we'll be on the audio. So come join me there for the rest of the discussion. Shalom. Hey!